Station 13 may cover topics that are not suitable for all listeners, such as death, body gore, and homicide, not to mention the paranormal. We also like to swear on occasion. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back to Station 13. Grab a glass of wine and put your kids to bed. This is DJ Void, signing back on. On top of today's episode, I would like to encourage anyone with a generous heart to check out the Community Causes page on thestation13.com. While we can't solve all the world's problems, I do hope to make said page a beacon of hope for those in our community going through any unforeseen struggles. A quick reminder, you can always send in things to be added to the Community Causes page via our station email, station13.contact at gmail.com. The Community Causes page is there to help with problems big or small, whether it is helping your community recover from a wildfire or hurricane, or even funding a gender-affirming surgery a person may need to feel whole. Never be afraid to reach out. Thank you, and on with the show! Hello everyone, and welcome back to Station 13. I'm sorry I was gone for a bit. I had some family matters to attend to. Needless to say, I am thrilled to be back with you all here again today. However, I am less than thrilled to have a package in my hand addressed to Station 13 that was delivered to my home. The lack of return address feels... threatening. I understand my neighbors in direct community know my address, but I wasn't aware it was public knowledge. Anyway, I figured why read it in my home with nothing but the fluffy co-hosts to keep me company when I could read it here in the station, feeling secure behind the blast doors they installed oh so many years ago. I suppose I should get on with it then. Let's see what this ominous package holds. Ah, a letter on top. Let me read that first then. Hello, Void. I'm sorry it's been so long. Have you missed me? It's been a while since I've been able to write you. Approximately ten years, I believe. You wouldn't know how hard it was to pry your current address from my mother. You know, as I read those first lines back, I realize I probably sound utterly terrifying to you. Even now, at the age of twenty-seven. It's me, Void Bear. It's your dad. By the time you're reading this, I am probably one with the stars. However, before I left this ethereal plane of existence, I wanted you to have these. Unfortunately, in your line of work, you may not find them too appealing, but I found it important that you had a piece of me to keep with you. I was only given the joy of being in your life for five years, but you were always important to me. I hope your mom gave you the college fund I set up, but judging by the fancy degree hanging in your grandmother's house, I'm going to assume she did. Inside the package, I've included the letters your mom sent back to me when I tried reaching out to you as a kid, along with a few journals I filled with what I wanted to say to your mom. I'm sorry, Void Bear, that I wasn't there for you growing up, but I had a higher calling and your mom didn't want me around you anymore. 
I hope the contents of this humble box can bring you some closure. Farewell. Ah, well, fuck. Airing out my own dirty laundry on accident there. Yeah, my dad kind of left us when I was five or six to join a cult, I think. Of course, he wouldn't call it a cult, but the rest of us sure did. I should probably call my grandmother during the commercial break to make sure she's okay. God forbid she sees her son alive after 22 years and all he does is shake her down for my address. As for my dad's letters and journals, I suppose I could share one or two later in the show. I'm curious myself as to what they might say. And hell, I'm the one that opened this bag of worms anyway. Anywho, I have an update on Shelley now that her town has gone dark. Let's read that for now. Into it we go. Hey Void, so I know my last email was relatively short. Unfortunately, that's what happens when you're too overwhelmed by cute things. Avery and I haven't seen the Rumble Bears in a while. The last time we did, the mother was pulling another doll sheep into a den, so we're going to assume they hibernate like a black bear would. Of course, I had originally assumed they were polar bears, so I guess I never really thought they'd actually just up and disappear for a few months. Yet here we are, missing the cuteness that we used to be able to watch from our living room window. As strange as that was, it didn't take us too long to figure out why, when we were awoken around 4am the other day, to another massive wolverine terrorizing our garden. While the locals said they didn't see them very often, I think we positioned ourselves just far enough out of town to be the lucky recipient of their terror. I'm honestly thankful that it just went after whatever was living below our garden, and not our car or home. With all of that said, it isn't the entire reason I'm writing this email. You see, we think we may actually have found evidence of the large feline creature we came out here to investigate. I was out earlier last week, running my usual errands and gathering mail from Avery's parents from the post, when I spotted a very peculiar beast running from a local dog. I supposed it could have been anything, even an actual polar bear, but I don't think I've ever seen one of them run from a dog. Its body was broad and streamlined from what I could see under the dim lamplight, and after checking out the poor dog, who fortunately calmed down when the thing was out of sight, it had a chunk of light brown and black fur in its mouth. Now, as I said, this could be anything, so I brought the fur home for Avery to examine. She ran a test, and surprisingly it came back as nothing the USDPCA has ever studied before, which was odd, as they have every living organism they could find catalogued. I'm really hoping this winter will lead to more discoveries such as this, and I'll take joy in updating you with everything we find. For now, I promised Avery we'd look at dogs after I wrote this out to you, so I should probably indulge her now. We'll be back in Wisconsin come August of next year for a short visit, so I hope to see you then. Shelley Oh my, I hope Avery gets her puppy to be honest with you all. Shelley was never a huge fan of pets after her incident as a kid, but Avery has wanted one for so damn long. She even made her family dog their ring-bearer at their wedding. Oh, and I suppose the big cat creature is important, too. But if it runs away from the local dogs, it probably isn't a huge threat. Anywho, let's head over to commercial and then the news so I can make a quick call to my grandmother.
Thank you everyone for joining us today on Station 13. Today we are highlighting Lyric Dimmig of Lapcat Creations and Rain of Paracosm Entertainment. Lyric provided Station 13 with its wonderful podcast cover art, the opening tune, and their voice as Garth Strongwater. If you like their work or would like to view other pieces they have for sale, including some very cute knit items, check out their website, lapcatcreations.square.site. That's L-A-P hyphen C-A-T hyphen C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S dot square dot site. Rain lends their voice to our wonderful weathercaster, Misk, and you can find their voice elsewhere on their podcast, Onward and Onward, and Paracosm Entertainment on Twitch and YouTube. Would you like your horror story to be featured on Station 13? Or maybe your own favorite local cryptid? And what about your newest music? Maybe you even wish to support what we endeavor to do here and help our staff feed their fluffy co-hosts. Well, head over to thestation13.com. That's T-H-E-S-T-A-T-I-O-N 13.com for the link to our Patreon and submission information. We'll see you there. Hello everyone, Garth Strongwater back with you today to bring you the news. Unfortunately, I'll have to begin with some hard news of my own. The poor being that used to sit outside of my window is currently at a specialty pet hospital located in Ohio, which quite frankly, I am shocked to know actually exists. Hopefully he will make a full recovery, but for now they are doing what they can. All right. Now on to the actual news. It seems in the past month our world has gone a bit topsy-turvy as California is currently dealing with flooding while Florida is currently on fire. I don't know who decided to put down the Uno reverse card, but I am definitely a bit scared. It was also brought to my attention the other day that local travesties are at an all-time high, and for that I simply say fucking stop it. The world is already a shit show. Anyway, in brighter news, it seems the giant herons have safely migrated to the south for the winter and are popping up on social media feeds all over Texas and Mexico. Alright, that's all I have for you today, folks. Remember to be nice people or I'll have to make some phone calls. Oh, and remember to check out Something in the Woods on Webtoon. The creator is a personal friend and they deserve it. <laughs> that's not what I wrote down. Void's been editing my scripts again. <laughs> anyway, back to you, Void. <laughs> I'm sorry, Garth. I gotta sneak promo in wherever I can. Though I do truly hope with all my heart that the beastie from outside your window pulls through. <laughs> Alright, I did check in with my grandmother. She's rattled, but alright. Which is honestly such a good thing to hear. Though I suppose it wouldn't be the easiest thing in the world to hurt a ghost. Anyway, to take a running start back into the show, I received word this morning about the infamous Patches. Apparently, she's finally been removed from this mortal coil. Uh, I should probably let this voicemail from the local police do the talking. Hello, you've reached the Black Creek Police Department. Sorry nobody is here to take your call. Please leave your message after the beep. Uh, hello, I, I, I think I hit patches, oh god, I don't really know what happened, um, oh my god, my car, oh, my mom's gonna kill me, oh my god, oh my god, shit, um, I, I think she's dead, 
Oh, I really don't want to stick around to find out. Oh my god. Um, I'm, I'm on the corner of... I... I think the car still works. So... I'm gonna go. Um... I don't want to be here if this thing wakes up. It seems all terrifying things eventually must come to an end, as Mother always said. However, I do hope whoever that was got the appropriate reward for slaying the beast, even if it wasn't intentional. I mean, at least someone should cover the damage to the car. My WDPCA contact actually told me they'd share the autopsy result of patches with me when they're done, so I suppose we now all have that to look forward to. For now, off to the weather so I may revel in my small victory of outliving the terrifying cat monster. Hey everyone, Miss Kerrigan with your weather. Winds are in the 30 to 40 mile per hour range this week, leaving many of us pinned at home. Luckily, Void lets us staff record from home, so only they have to actually face the wind. Now, I know many of you might be used to these high speeds, but please keep in mind that some of us are not used to it, and some of us will never be used to it. As Garth stated earlier, the giant herons have made their way south, and the geese are slowly following suit. Of course, we know that they never go in the right direction, so please expect brief periods of overcast while these giant mistakes of the gods meander about in their confusion. Anyway, we're now halfway into spooky month, and I don't see a single decoration. At this point, you could probably throw a cotton ball into the wind, and it'd catch on something to make a convincing enough cobweb, so no excuses, yeah? Start spooping up your houses. Back to you, Void. Thank you, Misk. And I agree, geese truly are a mistake of the gods. And now that you mention it, I haven't seen any decorations this year so far either. It's quite a shame, as I know my house is fully decked out to prevent any mishaps during this spooky season. Honestly, after last year's debacle, and the number of houses countrywide that got covered in a thick green ooze, you'd expect more people to be prepared. I suppose we are at least safe. Hell, I've even decorated the station, and the screaming vines are all decked out in fake spiderwebs. Now, to find Halloween costumes for the fluffy co-hosts. Anywho, last show, I said one of my contacts at the Wisconsin Department of Paranormal and Cryptid Activity may be kind enough to inform me a bit more on their structure. But I'll be honest, they kind of flaked. However, Shelley was kind enough to include it on the end of her last email, so I can share it with you all now. The Wisconsin Department of Paranormal Encrypted Activity, or WDPCA, is a branch of the United States Department of Paranormal Encrypted Activity, or USDPCA. The USDPCA actually has branches in every state to handle the creepy crawly monsters that call our country home. In this organization, each member is given an agent level. Agent levels and security clearance are classified under five categories. Agents that apply regularly and with no formal schooling will always start out at level 1. Agents that have gone through academy training usually start out at level 2, with the exception of those exceptionally skilled, genetically proficient, or recruited by the USDPCA or local branch. 
An example of this would be our dear Shelley. Level 1 entails dealing with harmless jobs and population control of the local monsters. Their security clearance is low. Level 2 entails containment and study of monsters with a security clearance of medium. Level 3 entails out-of-state missions when the need arises. These agents are equipped with weaponry fit to fight and kill monsters. To become level 3, one must have a degree from UCA. These agents are also given classified information depending on the case they are working on. Shelley is a level 3, which is why she is currently stationed in Alaska with Avery. Of course, they weren't assigned there. Shelley simply asked and they agreed, which is rare. Level 3 onward have high security clearance and are able to access resources to help track, dispatch, and study monsters. Level 4 entails dealing with monsters known to overpopulate and be hazardous to humankind. Commonly, these agents are equipped with a much higher range of weapons and are provided with a pocket library device that holds the classified knowledge of all monsters they may encounter. Level 5 requires intense training past the level taught at United Cryptid Academy. These agents are only promoted after a minimum of 20 years of service to their local USDPCA sect. They see no restrictions within the organization and have the ability to access organization tools and equipment at any time. These agents are commonly stationed one to a city to keep the population safe from the worst of it. Their security clearance, actually, is max. The USDPCA also classifies monsters and the like in five categories. Level 1 consists of harmless critters that are simply off-putting or damaging to the environment due to their ability to reproduce. Examples of such are garbage goblins and jack bears. Level 2 consists of monsters dangerous to local wildlife or small children, examples being the large rose, stage 2, and patches. Level 3 consists of monsters dangerous to livestock, larger predators, and humans. Examples being the Large Rose Stage 3, the Weaver, and the Owl Man. Level 4 consists of monsters capable of wiping out villages or small towns. Examples being the Large Rose Stage 4 and... Redacted? Looks like I don't have high enough clearance to even know that. Level 5 consists of monsters capable of mass destruction able to destroy large cities in hours if left unchecked. Some of these may require capture, while others are dispatched on site. I have no examples for that one. I guess I'm just not high enough of a rank. Probably because I never applied. Alright, unfortunately that's all the information Shelley is able to share due to a semi-strict NDA. But I'm sure I can track down a rank 5 agent who could shed some extra light in the future. For now, I have a special gift for you all. A musician called The Woodhead Bob recently reached out to me due to a mutual contact and has given me permission to share some of his music with you all. So please enjoy his song, Float Away. And remember, if you like what you hear, hit up the Music of Station 13 section on our website, thestation13.com, or follow the link in the description to Spotify. Now, enjoy the tunes!
I hope everyone enjoyed hearing music on here for once. And thank you so much, The Woodhead Bob, for sharing with us. Again, if you enjoy what you just heard, give the Spotify link in the description a click and show him so much love. Honestly, even the screeching vines were vibing there for a bit. <laughs> Alright, onto a promise I made a couple of shows ago. It's time for the brief report on the Beast of Busco. Let's go! Now, despite my focus on Illinois with our current cryptid catalog, the Beast of Busco actually comes from Indiana. Due to the state's close proximity to Illinois, however, you could say they have a sort of joint custody of this hide-and-seek champion of the cryptid world. With that small disclaimer out of the way, I am proud to announce to all my herpetology lovers that the Beast of Busco has been consistently reported as an enormous alligator snapping turtle. The first sighting of this magnificent beast occurred in 1898, when a farmer named Oscar Falk claimed to have seen it in his seven-acre lake near Churubusco, Indiana. He told others about the creature, even affectionately naming it Oscar, before deciding to just let it live its life. Alligator snapping turtles are no real stranger to those waters anyhow, even if this one just happens to be absolutely massive. The second sighting of Oscar happened a half-century later, when two Churubusca natives, Aura Blue and Charlie Wilson, spotted the huge turtle while fishing on the same lake. By this time, the property belonged to Agale Harris, who also reported seeing this creature from time to time. With this, word spread, and in early 1949, a UPI reporter from Fort Wayne sent the story out to the press, and Oscar became nationally famous. This led to curious mobs of onlookers to come check for themselves, forcing state police to handle traffic. But no one could find the hide nor hair of this beast. With doubt rising, Harris decided to try and catch the beast, making several attempts over the early parts of the year, even going as far as to try draining the lake, only to have the holding area of the water break right before it was fully emptied. In March of 1949, there was even an attempt to send a deep-sea diver into the lake, but the wrong equipment was sent to Harris's farm. Despite all these attempts to capture Oscar, it was all for naught, as the crafty beast had simply vanished. However, his memory now lives on in Churubusco's Turtle Day Festival, held each June, which includes a parade, carnival, and even turtle races. Most fondly, Oscar is memorialized in the center of Churubusco by a concrete turtle statue and in Two Brothers Restaurant, located in Decatur, Indiana, where a turtle shell hangs inscribed with the Beast of Busco. Oh, Jesus, I can't tell you guys how much I love turtles. Honestly, one of the best things to exist, really, right after opossums, of course. Now, I know someone who would much more prefer Corvid, so I'm handing you off to Autumn for Cryptid Watch. Hello folks, and welcome back to Cryptid Watch with Autumn. Today, we sadly have no updates on the mysterious egg found in Japan, but I do have some different exciting news. It seems the owl men are starting to calm down a bit. The other day I managed to watch one completely ignore a human walking through the park. Though I do wonder if that has something to do with their breeding season. Hmm. 
I'm also getting reports from India that the giant rose is lowering in numbers, probably due to global warming, but I'd still consider this good news as they are nasty creatures. China, however, has reported that they are experiencing an influx of cryptid cross-species, probably due to their own negligence in genetic engineering. They've put out warnings to the surrounding countries that these new creatures may migrate. I don't know what the global paranormal encrypted research team plans to do yet, but I won't say I'm not worried. Anyhow, back to you, Void. Well, shit. I didn't have China Creates Cryptid Monstrosities on my bingo card, but I suppose I can just use the free space. Thank you, Autumn, as always, for finding ways to keep us in the loop. You're truly more crafty than you're given credit for. Alright, I have stalled long enough. Might as well read whatever the hell Dad put in that package. Ah, oh, shit, here we go. The journal where he pasted all the letters he wrote to Mom. Let's just read a bit from that for now, I guess. Here we go. <sighs> I know you won't listen to what I have to say. You never really did. How we made Void is a mystery in itself. I've written and rewritten this letter over and over to try and explain to you why this is so important. To repent from your daily pleasures and join me here in the commune. But you wouldn't hear any of it, would you? I just want you and Void to be able to join me in eternity. How glorious would it be if we could live as a family forever? I even found a nice boy for Void to marry. Of course, if she ends up preferring women, that won't be too hard to find. I even carved out a nice little spot for a family-sized tent. All that's left is for you to join me, Margie. You know, I fell for you the moment I saw you, and knew you were meant to be my life mate. But your imperfections seem to have finally torn us apart. I do hope you at least give me custody of Void. I know the lawyers have probably contacted you about the court date already. Don't put up too much of a fight, alright? It'd be a shame if this went on too long and Void realized you were keeping her from her rightful place beside her father. Please don't fight me on this, Margie. If you won't join me, at least let our child be part of this kingdom. Holy fucking hells. I don't know what kind of drugs my dad was on, but needless to say, I might need some to get through the rest of these letters. Alright, one more crazed letter from my father, and then I'm going to wrap this up. Here we go. Margie, I can't believe you'd stoop this low. How could you use your body to convince the judge to give you full custody? Wearing a low-cut shirt to court is just repulsive. I prefer when you'd wear your dusty turtleneck and dress pants honestly. You looked much more respectable then. Anyway, I will be coming to get Void. I don't care that the judge ruled you her full-time parent. She is still a part of me, and as her father that makes her my property. Again, I urge you not to fight me. You have no concept of what I am willing to do to bring Void back to her true home. I know you think you've won, but the true battle has just begun. 
I refuse to let my child live in sin with you. She needs to learn true values and join me in the celestial kingdom. You have cursed her to a life of sin, and she will burn in hell if I do not get her back soon. I simply cannot let you keep her. My flesh shall not live in sin, and while it may be too late for you and my mother, it isn't for my child. Margie, please, just give me void, and I'll be out of your life forever. You'll never have to see us again. She deserves eternity. She deserves not to burn for the sins of her mother. This letter is your final warning to end this peacefully. If I do not hear back from you, I shall come and take her by force. Okay. Well, that explains why we moved so often. I know my mother never got these letters, but she remained close with my grandmother despite my father's mental spin-out. It's probably how we knew what he was planning, as his letters to Grandma were actually delivered. Believe me, he is no less unhinged in his writings to her. Anyway, I'm going to end it here. I may not drink, but I think I'm at the point where I actually need one. I never knew this is exactly what happened to my dad. All I remember about him was the times we went to Bay Beach, and he'd let me ride the carousel as often as I wanted. It's honestly sad to watch people you idolize fall. Alright, we know the drill. Thank you for listening to Station 13. By the way, it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? DJ Void, signing off. Thank you everyone for joining us again on Station 13. We appreciate the returning and new listeners alike. Now, quickly before I leave you all, I would like to give a special thanks to our staff. That includes Lyric, whom you can find under Lapcat Creations on most platforms, Rain, who can be found on the podcast Onward and Onward, and Rook, who voices Autumn, who is as ambiguous as their creation. Special thanks goes out to those on our Discord and Kate Gardner for reading our commercials. You can find her work at kgardnerbooks.com. If you'd like to join our Discord or find our various other social medias, please peruse the link tree in the show notes at your leisure. If you find yourself enjoying Station 13, I do recommend you try the podcast that helped inspire it all, Dangerous Times at Chillhaven High. They are currently on hiatus, and now would be the perfect time to binge their tales of adventure. Anywho, that's all I have for you today, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I'll see you all next time on Station 13.